Yeah, yeah. Okay, guys. It is <laughs> were we recording? Yeah, we were oh, okay. recording. Uh, <laughs> welcome to welcome Video Vampires. Vampires. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we got a lot of topics to cover. Um, yeah, because we were. I was out. I, I actually was on vacation for the first time in a while, and I saw Ennio Morricone. In Iceland, right? In Sweden. Sweden. Yeah, in did Sweden. You, why did I think you went to Iceland? I went to Iceland last year. This yeah. year was Sweden, but I did, I saw, it was his last tour, he's 90, um, so he, uh, I think he's done, he's calling it quits. Likewise. Um, he's so, yeah, he's just, imagine though, like, you could die easily at 90 and, like, have fulfilled your entire life with the things that he's done. Absolutely. But he, uh, yeah, it, it was amazing, and also, he, he was, like, so cute, like, I don't want to, like, demasculize him at all but like he was sitting in this little chair and he's like cause he's 90 and he's just like this tiny little old Italian man it was just really fucking cute and it was great and there was like people from all over the world there it was really awesome like you yeah, like me and like my friend Dave from Chicago and like other pe- random people, like some guy from Germany was like, oh, I thought I was crazy coming here, flying here, but he's like, you, you are crazy. And then like other people from America and like other countries were there. It was, it was really cool. But yeah. Wow. We also, uh, there's the Oscars, there's like current movies. Yeah, let's kind of talk about the Oscars real quickly because- uh, uh, so annoying. It really is. Um. Not that I give a shit about the Oscars, and I have I for know. a while. And I, I know everybody says that, but I, I really don't give a shit. Like, I haven't watched the past few years, uh, which is a shame, because I really miss that awesome, like, La La Land. Fuck you, you know? I fucking... I still haven't seen La La Land, because I just refuse to watch it. That's kind of how I feel, too, but I kind of like the fact that they thought they won, and then it was like, <laughs> <laughs> BT dubs, but I, that, <laughs> I, I even missed yeah. that. But what really did it in for me this year was when they went to the nominees, Tony Collette. Did not get nominated. I know, and it's is it because of horror? Like, I think so. remember last year that they did that with Get Out, and they posted it as a comedy, but right. it's like, and and you know, I mean, people don't realize how you know how much of a big deal Get Out winning best best you know, yeah. screenplay was. Um, but Tony Collette, like, you know, it's funny because I've rewatched Hereditary since we, I saw it in the theater. Yeah, and you know, the, some of the luster is gone from when you see it in the theater. But Tony Collette is like the one, like her performance just is like amazing. It's still amazing. Yeah. Like you still wa- you watch it, and you're like, oh fuck, like you know what it. it is, maybe the rest of the movie doesn't hold up as much. It's still really good. I, yeah. But I mean, like, it doesn't have that same feeling when you watch it. Uh, you know, multiple times, and I, I, I for me at least. But Tony Collette, I, I would, I, I would watch it even a third time just for her. Yeah, she's you fantastic, know? and uh, what's her name, Anne Dowd, who's like yeah. my favorite supporting actress in everything. Yeah. Um, you know, it's she's so good in it, and I can't believe that Tony Collette hasn't. You know. Yeah, and it's funny because like Tony Collette's usually like somebody who would get nominated, but I feel like they just snubbed her because of horror. And you know, honestly, as much as. I still have mixed feelings about this movie. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of surprised that Tilda Swinton didn't get any sort of, like, any even, like, mention. For Suspiria? Yeah. Because, I mean, she was fucking great <sighs> in Suspiria. 
Yeah, I, I, uh, that is a little surprising, just considering the broad range of roles in that film. That she plays? I know. Not just, like, but, everybody you know, else. I don't know. A Star is Born is fucking nominated, yeah. so we know that it's trash. That's what I'm saying. And okay, it, but listen, it sucks because, all right, there's some good movies in this Best Picture nominated mm-hmm. uh, nomination, so... Uh, the list is Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Black Panther, Black Klansman, Greenbrook, Vice, A Star is Born, and Roma. I think, personally, I think that Roma, Black Klansman, and The Favorite are, like, a step above everyone else who is nominated. Right! And, like, and, and I, you know, and it's interesting because I didn't see Black Klansman, and I've been meaning to, and I really, I really want to see it, but... I loved Black Panther, but Best Picture? Like... I know. Well, that's the thing is, like... Best comic book film? Yeah. I mean, it can't be ignored just because of how much it did in the box office. You know what I mean? And it... It has like a certain um, uh, pull to it sure. that is important, which I, I understand that, you know, but um, I think that the three that I mentioned are like much superior films than the rest of Absolutely. them. Absolutely. And, and I'm not snubbing Black Panther because no. of a comic book film. Yeah. I'm snubbing it because it. It didn't it isn't tra- as, as as awesome as I you know, as, as important as I agree with you, like as far as the cast, director, even the story, or anything like that. At the end of the day, I didn't feel like it transcended the comic book genre or I was still like oh th- I'm still I'm still very much like yeah. this is a comic book film you yes. know and I love yeah. that but I was just surprised but Bohemian Rhapsody like I mean again Rami Malek was awesome but he was he was awesome regurgitating cliches over and over again yeah. and it's not his fault it's the screenplay but like you know there's that great scene I think we talked about last time when we um, when we talked about him the Golden Globes where you know he's got his back turned to his like assistant or is like his, his the guy the scumbag who's like basically using him and he gives this great speech and then he walks off into the rain he was great <laughs> in that scene but everything in that scene we've seen before yeah you know there was nothing like oh wow this is fucking this is it, this, the screenwriting was garbage he's great um but yeah I just don't give a shit anymore yeah like get out was like one of those like surprises where it's like fuck yeah yeah like, like oh finally yeah um but and I'm not saying that, like, you know, they should have a quota where it's like, oh, we got to make sure we get a horror movie in there or, or something from that from the genre. But it's like, fuck, are you kidding me? Some of the best stuff that came out this year. I still think The Favorite was the best thing that came out this year. Yeah, The Favorite is, it was definitely in my top five. But horror should have gotten, like... Uh, something. Yeah, and I was really disappointed with the fact that, like, and, you know, and I debated this with my girlfriend because she said, well, they they knew what the criteria was, but they still didn't follow it. The fact that Mandy had, like, that weird theatrical release where it was, like... Oh, it's because, yeah, and, well, that's also why the score wasn't exactly. considered, you know, is because it had, like, a three-day opening a week and it had to be four to qualify or something like and that, stupid. you know? Like, the rules are silly, and, I and guess. good for Roma for getting nominated, but also, like, what a way around the fucking, you know, to play the game, you know? Like... Well, because they, they did a release and they did home release. I know, but I think Mandy, at least... The, I'm not saying Mandy should have been nominated for actor, screenplay, any, but score, 100%. Yeah. You know? I that know. being said, I want the favorite to win, but I also wouldn't be heartbroken if Black Panther won and just kind of... Instead, and, yeah. And just and be like, fu- fuck, and fuck big you. Big fuck you yeah. to everybody, you know? Like, um, but... Uh, yeah, I hate... Honestly, I'm surprised that Lady Gaga wasn't nominated for Best Actress. It's like a joke. Like, are you joking? Um, and that's what scares me, is that, like, it's... It almost seems like she could win just because, like, you know... She's Lady Gaga. She's Lady Gaga. You know, it's like... And it's not... 
before anybody gets like all whatever about it, it's not like Cher winning for Moonstruck. The thing about Cher is people forget that Cher is actually really good yeah. as an actress. You know, like you know, uh, come back to Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean, yeah, Mask. You know, Moonstruck, she's great in it. You know, The Witches of Eastwick. The Witches of Eastwick, mermaids. You yeah. know, like it's yeah, not, mermaids. It's not. This isn't like Cher and Lady Gaga are not in yeah. the same like. Oh, well, somebody who's crossing yeah, over. Still. Yeah, it's like Lady Gaga still Lady Gaga, and good for yeah. her. You know that she's Lady Gaga, but seriously, I just it's just stupid to me. Yeah. <laughs> I like hate to talk shit, but like it's just straight no, up stupid. Don't. I know. I love, I love talking shit. I love it. And uh, and I don't want this to this can be completely negative, but I mean, fuck I the Oscars. Yeah, it's just it's. Uh... It's like you're trying so hard now, I see it. Yeah, and, and uh, while you were away, I think, I think it was like right before you flew back, Dick Miller died. Um, I bring oh, that yeah. up because, one, he, you know, he's such an icon in, in horror as far as like he was always that guy that just appeared in everything, you know? Yeah. But we've actually, like, Demon Knight, he's in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I mentioned that, you know, and yeah. I posted about that because like, like seriously, you could throw a rock at a movie, and Dick Miller probably was either in it or like was so you know. There's it, yeah, it's a lot easier to play six degrees or seven de- or six degrees of, of Dick Miller than Kevin Bacon, I think, because mm-hmm. you know Dick Miller was in all the Roger Corman stuff. I mean, days before he died, I'd been rewatching Rock and Roll High School, which is yeah one of my all time favorites, and and sure enough, he's right there, you know, where like you watch The Howling, he shows up in that um, Terminator, yeah, he's yeah, the one who sells the guns to Schwarzenegger before yeah. being blown away. Yeah, he's a, he's like this that guy and everything. Like you grow up with him in every movie. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like it's it's uh, sad because you you've watched him for your entire life. But also much. he's all he has, he lived like you know we're talking about any Morricone like yeah. Dick Miller lived a pretty awesome life. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean Joe Don you know like it got to the point where like people who had been associated with Corman wanted to have Dick Miller in there. So Dick like again Dick Miller shows has shown up in some big. You know, with some big directors and everything like that. Yeah. But then you got, like, someone like Joe Dante, who, like, considered Dick Miller his good luck charm. And, like, I mean, yeah, I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, yeah, he's in The Burbs. He plays one of the garbage men. Yeah. You know, he just, he's, like, he's in, uh, he's in just about everything. And I, and I, I just, I love Dick Miller. And I was really, I was actually really bummed. But at the same time, it's kind of hard to be crushed when it's somebody who's had such a, like, lives such a, a long, long life. Yeah. yeah, but it's, like, that, just that missing piece, because yeah. you're, like, it's something that, like, familiarized a lot of film for you, you yeah. know? Like, when you saw it, you're, like, okay, like... Yeah, I, yeah exactly. So you, you nailed it, right? It, it's, like, he was such a, um, a staple of growing up, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I just thought it was funny, because, like, I was talking to a friend of mine about it last night, and I was saying how, like, you know, I Dick Miller shows up, he, he his his... A lot of his work was cameos, but when we watch yeah. Demon Knight, he's actually like a, a one of the main. He's like one of the featured characters. He doesn't yeah, have like one people. scene. He's in it for a good chunk of the movie, yeah. and I really like that. Um, so that that happened. That was kind of a bummer, but also good on him. You know, he for dying. No, for having the <laughs> amazing life that he had. You know, from like good on him. He from, he made it from a bucket of blood with Corman to like yeah. you know some of the other stuff he's done. You know, and like had the impact he's had on certain. Films, you know, and, and, and just the movies that he's worked on, you know, he's he yeah. what a great life. I um, for, yeah, I forgot. Like, I saw it, obviously, because I have the internet, so luckily. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they but yeah, that in Sweden. What a bummer. Yeah, yeah they, ha- they have that. And <laughs> um, I uh, I watched a really awesome documentary that's on Shutter. Oh, yeah? What's two it? Two nights ago. Um, it, it, it's called Horror Noir, and it's all about... Oh, Yeah. Yeah. It's about black horror. Um, well, the Egyptian did a whole I know. thing on it, but it was cool because they had all these stars I from know. these movies, 
which like it sucks because I was actually like gone, so I couldn't go to it. But like, what a cool, what a cool fucking thing! Like, thank goodness that someone made a, a documentary. And the documentary is fantastic, and it's like they really cover a lot of good stuff in there. It's not just like. They don't just go with obvious stuff like Candyman, which was, you know, they cover... I didn't know it was on Shutter. That's cool, so I can it, watch it. it. Was, yeah, it's a I Shutter. thought I missed it. No, yeah. it's a Shutter. It was a Shutter exclusive, but, like, they mm-hmm. did a release at the Egyptian just to, like, you know... Um, but, like, oh, my God. Like, they talk about um, Night of the Living Dead, obviously, um, because of Dwayne Jones like, yeah. being, like, the lead. And, and how unprecedented it was is they kind of cover, like, you know, how in the past, you know, the, the, you know, the black male or, or black anybody was, like, you know, either, like, the... The mammy character in Gone with the Wind, like yeah. the, the one, the woman, the woman who's dedicated her entire life to, to serving, per, serving the yeah. white, yeah, or like the the mysterious, you know, villain that has you know voodoo or mystical powers, or yeah. I mean, they even or, yeah, or like ultra aggressive, exactly, and like, right, and, and they kind of go back and they talk about Birth of the Nation, but then they talk about Night of the Living Dead, which was a, a big deal, and one of the stories I always like about that was that the part wasn't written for a black man. It was that he happened to be the best person to come in for that role, and they were like, yeah. done, you know? Um, and, and I heard this, you know, I've always heard this story, but it's always interesting to me that when they were, like, they, they loaded up the, the film cans, they were going to New York, you know, to bring the film there, and, you know, George Romero and the other producers, and on the way there, that was when they heard on the radio Martin Luther King died. Yeah. Or was shot. And it's like, wow, what a fucking, like... You forget, like, what... It's it's easy for us now to forget what a crazy time period that that was in race relations in the sixties, you know, yeah. and, and and how very um, what's the word I'm looking for uh, turbulent, you know. Yeah. Um, but then then they kind of talk about um, one of the things I like is they talk about Blackula, which is funny yeah. because um, I saw that at a horror movie marathon when I was like in my I think I just turned nine I was nineteen or twenty and it was like three in the morning and there's this one scene that like. I was like, fuck, like, I don't know if it's because I'm super tired or, or whatever, but it freaked me out. Like, it really got under my skin. And there is a, I don't want to give anything away or anything, but there's a great story in this documentary from the director of Blackula describing how they were able to make that scene. Yeah. And how he'd been constantly saying in the studio, like, I need this type of camera. And they were like, no, no. And then finally, after they saw the dailies and what he was, you know, like, trying to accomplish. What he was trying to accomplish. Like, finally on the day of, the, the van pulls up and there's that camera and it's like, fucking A. But it was, it's funny to me because I never thought, much, I always thought that I was a weirdo for being creeped out by that scene and it still creeps me out. <laughs> and I was like, maybe it's because I, I go back to that sitting in the theater at 3 o'clock in the morning, super tired. Yeah, and then you know, seeing it and like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. yeah. And it's not a scary movie. It's very, like, it's, it's, it is very hokey, you know, but yeah. like in a fun way. But they talk about that. Um, they talk about Ganja and Hess, which I had just seen for the first time over the summer, and that's a really cool, like, a bizarre horror film that, like, never really gets a lot of love, um, a weird independent horror film. And that was the other thing that I yeah. liked them talking about, too, is that a lot of black filmmakers were, you know, operating outside of the system. Because they, they had could, to. They yeah. had to. And But the cool thing is that because they did that, they didn't have as many people interfering with their, with their stuff. Yeah. So you have a movie like Ganja and Hess, and you have... Um, which is like this really, really bizarre movie. It's the only other movie I know of with Dwayne Jones from Night of Living Dead. Yeah. Um, but really great, like, weird... Uh, Spike Lee remade it as, like, The Sweet Blood of the Jesus, you know, oh, like yeah. that. But, like, this is a really bizarre, awesome little um, horror drama. But um, they talk about, you know, again, Blackula. They go through the 70s. They, um, uh, they don't talk about Dawn of the Dead, which is a shame. 
they show footage of it, but they have Ken Faree at From Dawn of the Dead yeah. sitting there with Keith David, which was like... What? Like, so, they, so the way they... The format of this thing is, like, cool. a lot of times they would pair off oh, really? people into, like... They, so the, the, the setting of the documentary is a theater, and you keep cutting back to, like, interviews. Like, Rachel True, remember her yeah. from The Craft? Oh, yeah. Looks yeah. amazing. Heather, Heather has a story about her. Yeah, because um, she, yeah. she's doing she tarot readings, right? Oh, yeah, at the House of Intuition. That's where she saw her. Right. Um, but she looks great. She's yeah. like in her fifties, and I was like, I didn't know. Yeah, that. she's a witch. She just doesn't age. Yeah, she's beautiful. Um, but uh, they would pair off different actors of different, like two different people in a room, you know, in this room and everything like that. And you would cut to like, so you have Ken Free and you have you have Keith David, and like the two of them together are fucking hilarious. Yeah, and awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, you have um, Kelly Jo Minter who is in People Under the Stairs. She plays the older yeah. sister. Mm-hmm. Her and the dude, like the black dude from Return of the Living Dead, uh, Miguel Nunez Jr. Um, you have the, these two filmmakers, these two young black filmmakers, and yeah, the, the, they they have them paired off. They have um, Ernest Dickerson who directed Demon Knight and um, and Russ, uh, what's his name, Russie Condit, a good details in the hood. They have yeah. them together. Yeah, so many cool shit, and it's like they they really do cover a lot of awesome stuff. Which yeah, uh, Tony Todd's interviewed. Yeah, Jordan Peele's interviewed. Um, oh yeah, which uh, you know, and it's if great you've because seen the things for us. Yeah. Oh yeah. I really can't wait. And the thing about Jordan Peele, I thought was really cool, is like we always, you, you know, if you saw Get Out, you're like, oh, this guy, like he, he likes horror movies, you know, but you yeah. don't know how. I don't think you really get an idea of how much he knows about them. Yeah, um, he, I think he's also doing the new Twilight Zone too. Oh, he's he's the Rod Serling in the new Twilight yeah, Zone. Yeah, which is amazing. I can't wait. But when you hear him talking about like, oh like, yeah, the commentary like, for Get Out is yeah. like, you you know, he's obviously just filled with this knowledge and admiration for horror, which right. is like fantastic. Right. And that's what yeah. I'm, I guess that's what I'm saying is like, it's not that it's. I think we know that he loves horror, but when you watch it, it's like he doesn't just love horror; he knows a lot about it. Yeah, and that's really cool to watch him talk about like. Analyzing these movies like Night Living Dead, Candyman, mm-hmm. um, great stuff, awesome documentary. Check it out on Shutter. It is fucking amazing. And then yeah. the cool thing is on Shutter, um, and I think it's because it's Black History Month. Not only do they have the documentary, but some of those movies they have that those I, movies. They too. have those movies. Awesome. Not yeah. all of them, but like enough of them where you're like, oh, cool. Like I want to check out Ganja and Hess. I want to see Tales from the Hood again. Yeah, Tales from the Hood's fantastic. Yeah, um, it's like one of those like childhood favorites. You know, it really <laughs> like, is. It's really yeah. it's a really solid movie, and I think that this documentary is also really important because, you know, it's it's very easy for, you know. Um, people, you know, like, to forget the significance. The importance, yeah. the importance. Um, So I saw that. And then, you know, completely unrelated to, like, Black History Month or this documentary a few, like, days before that, I watched Coffee with Pam Greer. Oh, yeah. Which I love. Pam Greer's like like a goddess. Yeah, yeah. And she is. And uh, watching her run around shooting up fucking drug dealers and, like, you know. Yeah. (sighs) She's just walking. I think you, you haven't seen Black Klansman? No. Why? Uh, uh, I wanted to see... I really liked it. It, like, totally redeemed... Spike Lee? Yeah, for me, because he did that weird old boy, um... He's done a lot of shit lately. It was really bad. But this is excellent. Well, I wanted to see it. And it's Denzel's son. Yeah. I wanted to see it when it came out, but I was out of town, and, like, I was, you know, in... On the East Coast helping my mother with stuff, so it's like I couldn't... It wasn't playing where, you know, in the theater, she was... You know, she lives near, and, like, by the time I came back, everybody had already seen it, and it's... Well, I have no problem going to a movie by myself. Yeah. Which I've done plenty of times for some other reason. I just didn't do it for that. And I have a, a screener of it that I wanna, I've want i been meaning to check out, but I really want to see that one. I was really excited about that one. 
Um, I watched. I'm sorry to uh, was sorry to bother you. Nominated for anything at the Oscars? No, which um, I I looked and I'm surprised. Honestly, uh, I I guess I shouldn't be. No. But again, constantly I think, I think, movies think, get snubbed, and then A Star Is Born is nominated. I think the idea was, like, and everyone's hey, we gave like one, freaking out we gave about. We gave to him for Get Out. Let's you know we don't. Have to yeah, worry. yeah. Honestly, I, I know it wasn't. Um, which is sad because it was such a great film. Uh, and the cast is so good. Um, but yeah, I think I've just been watching, like, Netflix is releasing, it's like crazy. Like, Netflix does not want me to leave my apartment ever, which is fine with me because I don't really want to either. Um, but they released a, a ton of stuff. Uh, I don't know if you saw or started watching, but Russian Doll. Yeah. Uh, which is really cool. It's in the realm of, of uh, living each day over and over and over again, which someone, I guess, you know, there are a lot of ways you could do it. Like, there are a lot of movies, obviously, Groundhog Day, um, The Edge of Tomorrow, which is so underrated. It's, like, such Fine a good here. action film. Um, and then also uh, Happy Death Day more recently, which is actually pretty cool. And have you have you watched it all the way through? I've watched it all the way through. I really okay. like. I, I really I, I like I like the show a lot. My girlfriend's not as convinced. She's into it, but she's not into it. I'm really into it. Yeah. My problem is that I really like Natasha Leone, but I, do I too. cannot fucking stand the, the this character that she's playing in Russian Doll. Where like not the character, but like the way she's playing it, like kind of like a. It's like a Woody Allen character in a Martin Scorsese film. Well, yeah, you know? it's like, like a, an eh, androgynous New Yorker. Yeah, you know, like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, like, trying to, like, you know, it's like, just shut up and be Natasha Leone because I like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've watched it. I'm already done, so I really liked it. Yeah, I, I, I was really digging it. Um, you know, I put it on the back burner for a second, you know, this past week, but... I really, I, I agree with you. I, I thought it was really... Um, I also watched Velvet Buzzsaw, which <sighs> is really stupid. Okay, right. Okay, but, okay, listen. It's weird because 50% of me, I'm like, I really like this satire on the art community and industry. And, like, Jake Gyllenhaal's really good in it. Tony Collette's great. You know, the cast is really fun. And then the horror elements on it are so bad that it makes me hate the movie. But it sucks, because I like it, but I also hate it. Well, you know, it's funny, because the reason why I haven't watched it is because, like, I remember when Nightcrawler came out, and I was like, I remember... Oh, he's excellent. Well, I... No, he's like... Yeah, Joan Hall, yeah, I mean, but... I remember the pre the trailer, like, months before the movie came out, I was like, that is gonna be the movie I want to see. Yeah. And I saw it, and it's not a terrible movie, but it was... I was so let down by Nightcrawler. Really? I did not... I just didn't feel like it lived up to maybe my... I expected it to be... Amazing, you know. Yeah, uh, and I didn't feel like it was, you know, and and um, and I'm kind of worried about the Velvet Buzzsaw, where I'm like, great trailer, not sure if it's gonna be the same. No, scenario. I, I don't know. I mean, I want you to watch it so yeah. we can talk about it, but for sure, I really like Nightcrawler. Plus, a lot of those were shot scenes were shot around here. Of course, they were multiple times. I know. But we're supposed to believe that they're like driving all over LA, and it's like you drove by that shoe palace like five times. Already, I know. Buddy. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I, I did watch that. I finally watched that documentary, the true crime documentary, Abducted in Plain Sight, because everyone was just, like, losing their minds over it. And so I was like, it can't be as bad as everyone's saying, and um, meaning, like, the, the subject matter. Yeah. And I watched it, and it is. I was like, actually, okay, yeah, everyone, this is uh, just a ridiculous, like, real story um, about coercion and manipulation and pedophilia and, like... You know, scary. Yeah, it's like wild. Actually, I I liked it. Um, I think it's definitely worth a watch. 
but yeah, those are the things. Oh, by the way, someone fucking watched Counterpart. Okay, someone needs to be current. No one I know watches it. It is the best show on television. This is like the best sci-fi uh, spy. Is it the one with J.K. Simmons? No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. It's so good. It's the best show on TV, and I feel like not enough people watch it. I don't, but I don't think it's a, I think the problem is there's so much TV. Like, we are living in an era I know. where there's just too much, I I was think. talking about that earlier because it's impossible to have the will to watch something new, which I understand, <laughs> but it's also like... Uh, content is just right in your face. I'm surprised. I don't think, um, I think we talked about more Netflix releases, but the Ballad of Buster Scruggs really didn't get nominated for much except for Best Screenplay, I think. I think it only, it got nominated for a screenplay? I don't think yeah, it, did it, it have did. even have a theatrical release? It was Best Adapted Screenplay. Did it have a theatrical release at all? I don't all? know, but it's, maybe ridiculous. screenplays don't count for that. I don't know. I don't but know. But I just looked in there. Uh, yeah, and I liked, I liked Ballad of Buster I mean... I, I, the Tom Waits story was my favorite. The Liam Neeson one was my second favorite. I was kind of give or take about... Liam J- Neeson J- needs to reevaluate what he says in public. I thought he did do that, though. I thought that was the whole story. It was that he, like, he was telling us, like, a story. That, he like, did, yeah. And that, like, the story is him yeah. saying, like, I'm really embarrassed by this, but... Yeah, but I think maybe you should have just not said that. Well, so but some, I get it, because people are... He, he's trying to, like, show people, like, hey, this was a way I thought that was wrong. Right. And what I did was wrong, but, like, I think it was just... But let's just say, like, devil's advocate, let's just say he hadn't said that. And then let's just say somebody else was like, did you hear what Liam Neeson... I mean, like, at least he's coming out... Because, like, here's the problem, is that, like, you oftentimes you, you find out about, like, some celebrity or somebody saying something terrible, and then after they say this terrible thing, they're like... I'm sorry, and it's like, are you sorry that you said it, or are you sorry that you got caught? Whereas yeah. Liam Neeson saying, "I'm sorry that I felt this way," like this is a shitty way to feel. I, I don't give Liam Neeson crap for that. I, I I'm I I think it takes a lot of uh, courage to admit when you're yeah when you got such a, when you ha- that, admit that you had a very fucked up stupid way of viewing things. It's better to, to come... But it was... But I think it was also the way it. the question was posed, uh-huh. too, especially about, like, his new movie and how he prepared for the role. And then, like, it, it, it just sucks. It sucks because no matter what you say can be taken out of context, too. And, like, uh, it, the internet is so immediate that the minute you say something that might be off, everyone can judge it immediately. And... Mm-hmm. Have That's their the own flip interpretation. Side yeah. of the internet, and you have on one hand you have all these, you know, this content, and the other hand you have yeah. the fucking rabid. I forgot. Um, I like that one in Buster Scrubs. The Liam Neeson one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I think the whole thing is really good, but uh, the James Franco one, like it, for me, it wasn't really that great until that one line, and it didn't even like, you know, I was like, ah, uh, you know, <laughs> eh, eh, but. Eh. Uh, yeah, I just I feel like I have. There's a lot of stuff that I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, um, Us comes out soon. Us comes out. Um, I'm I'm actually looking forward then to Captain Ari Marvel. Aster, then and his new movie is supposed to come out this year. Yeah, and then uh, I've got mixed feelings. They they uh, they released a Pet Cemetery trailer. I I did, I don't know if I saw the new trailer, but I feel like the trailer that I saw makes it look really good. Uh, the new one, I, which came out a few days ago, I think would really change your opinion. Really? Um. It's like I don't want to. I'm not going to give the Ted Bundy away. movie too, but yeah, with so Zach Why? With Pet Cemetery, uh, the, and I don't know. I mean, I've, I've had I've, I've heard that it's confirmed, but they make a major, major, major change to the story that I feel like. Look, you can do Pet Cemetery. You can. I, I have no problem with you 
doing this, going one direction, going another direction, but you gotta keep their, like, the whole genesis of the story comes from this one thing, and they change that, and I'm like, oh, why the fuck really? would you do that? Um, and I, I just, it doesn't look terribly, um, I, I, my confidence in it, I'm gonna go see it, but my confidence in it has, has been a little shattered. I, um, they released a new Child's Play trailer. Oh, yeah, I haven't watched that yet. And it looks really, I'm, again, like, I'm more upset because of, like, the fact that, like, Don Mancini, who created the Child's Play franchise, and he's been actively, I mean, it, it had, nothing's been derailed because of it, but he's bringing that to sci-fi. Like, he's bringing, like, you know, he's, if you've seen any of the recent Child's Play or Chucky movies, like, yeah. um, he's really brought it back up to, like, you know, like, they went, you know, you have, like, the first movie, which was a horror, and you have the second one, which is horror, and the third one, which is so garbage, that they were like, fuck. And then, like, <laughs> Ryan and Chucky, they start going, hey, let's kind of go in a more yeah. humorous vein, so it becomes a black comedy. See you, Chucky. And then when they had uh, Curse of Chucky, uh, they kind of were able to final, finally straddle that, like, middle ground. Yeah. And then Cult of Chucky does the same thing. So they're going to, br- they're bringing that into, um, onto sci-fi, and I'm really excited. But because mm-hmm. Orion and um, MGM have the rights to the Child's Play name, yeah. they're doing their own remake. And, oh, like, it could have potentially fucked up what, he was trying to do, yeah. but um, it's not. But it doesn't look that good. Yeah. It's like it's it, you know, um, it's just. It looks. It's bad. A, it's not a killer. It's not a doll that's possessed by a serial killer. It's a doll that's been programmed. Like oh yeah, it's just stupid. It's okay. Yeah, I'm not excited about it, but um, there are some stuff. Like, I am excited about us a lot. I think yeah, I think it looks really good, and I I like. I'm looking forward to whatever Jordan Peele presents to us. Honestly, yeah, I, I really am. I'm 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 a little nervous because there's always that you always get that fear of like a sophomore slump. But yeah, I, I think he's going to be able to. I don't think he's he's gotten to that point yet where he's like just coasting. You know, I think he's yeah. still, like he's still got a lot more to prove, and I think he still feels that way. So I'm really excited. But um, anyway, um. Let's talk about what we watched. Um, yes. We watched uh, Phantom of the Paradise, which is one of my all-time favorites. It's Brian yeah. De Palma. Which is so... Brian De Palma, this, uh, I feel like he took a lot of drugs. Um, it's funny because I watched... Uh, I was having like a De Palma day, and I watched like Dress to Kill recently, which is such a good movie. It's like... I love it. Yeah. I love Dress to Kill. It was probably one of my favorite De Palma movies. Okay. But also, I can't forget... That he did the Black Dahlia, and it's the worst movie I've ever seen. It mm-hmm. is so bad that I almost... It's like, I wanted to walk out in the theater. I didn't. There was only one movie I did, which was Mother. But... Because <laughs> uh, I fucking hate it. Okay. Fuck you, Aronofsky. But... Uh, De Palma is really strange, I feel like. He's... I really like Phantom of the Paradise. Mm-hmm. It is such a strange movie. Though. It is. It's very strange. Uh, it's it, really great. It's like really performative. It's circusy. It's like it's campy. It's, yeah, it's super campy, but it's like really fun. Uh, to give to give and people, creepy. Yeah, to give people a, uh, a a brief rundown. Um, it's it's basically you take fan of the opera, you take Faust, you take the yeah. portrait of Dorian Gray, and you take the glam rock scene. Yeah, and mumble it all together, and um, you basically have this composer who gets his music stolen from him by a. This, like, evil... Satan-ish type. Yeah. He's not exactly Satan, but he's, like, yeah. a demon. Yeah, well, he's he's, so, he's a... a uh, he's a record... He's a record producer. Producer, he's, yeah. He's, well, he's, a, he's, a, he's, like, a music mogul who has sold his soul to the devil, and um, and he's just living this, like, decadent and depraved lifestyle. Mm-hmm. He steals the music. He's opening up, like, a, a very Fillmore-esque 
uh, venue called the Paradise, and um, it's it's basically like this. It's, it kind of goes into Phantom of the Opera from there. Um, but it, De Palma, and remember we talked about this last time. Yeah. With the, you know, with what Cinematic Void was doing in L.A., where they were doing the De Palma Argento. De Palma is the American Argento. Yes, I was just gonna say, especially when you watch like this one a lot more campier, but when you watch like his other films. Especially Dress to Kill, I feel like it's very Argento. What I love about the Palma, though, is how much he doesn't care when he's just blatantly stealing. You know? And <laughs> yes. I mean that, I really... I, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I know. You mean that endearingly, but, I like... I do, like, um, it's, yeah. there is... Like, me, Tarantino does the same thing, you know? Like, but the Palma, here, the thing about Tarantino is Tarantino steals from everybody. The Palma yeah. only wants to steal from, like, Hitchcock. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. Yeah. And, um, so, um... There's a lot of, like, to kind of give you an idea of where De Palma's at at this point, he's done a movie called um, Greetings with De Niro, um, Hi, uh, Hi Mom, and then he does... He uh, did Carrie, didn't he? Before... Carrie's, Carrie's before, after. Yeah. Oh, it is? Yeah. So he does um, he does Sisters before he does Vampire. Sisters, which I love. I don't know if you guys have ever... If I've never seen, watched Sisters. Margot Kidder is fucking amazing in it. Oh, she... It's, it's, yeah, she plays... It's about these pair of these Siamese twins that get separated, and it's like this like very Hitchcockian thriller. It's um, it's great, but that's like kind of his first foray into horror. And, and then he goes does Family of the Paradise, the mm-hmm. cast of Family of the Paradise. We got um, we got Rod Serling yeah. doing the narration. We got Paul Williams. Paul Williams plays um, Swan, who is the the villain. Yeah, He's the should... evil record producer. Yeah. Um, or the music producer. He, Paul Williams, people might know him as, he wrote a lot of the Carpenters. Yeah. Stuff. He wrote... He's a song... He's a long-time he songwriter. He is a legendary um, songwriter. Yeah. Um, We've Only Just Begun. We've Only Just Begun. The Rainbow Connection. Which is, like, always used in horror films, and it is so creepy. Yep. It's, I, like, one of the creepiest songs that you have embedded in your brain. We've only just begun, not... Yeah. Okay, I was going to tell you we were talking about Rainbow Connection. Oh, like, no, no, I, I We've get, only like, just begun, but... I totally get choked up. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but he does... You know, I mean, Paul Williams is not who you would normally uh, think of to play a villain. Yeah. And he, he does, and he's great. You know, he's having a good time with it. Um, William Finley plays uh, Winslow Leach, who's the, the composer who gets fucked over. Yeah. Uh, William uh, William Finley was in. We watched him in Eaten Alive. He's yes. that small part of that husband. The yeah, the weird, and the, uh, like the creepy. And you remember because he has like the protruding eyes. Yes, you know. <laughs> He's also in Sisters, but yes, we yeah. saw him in Eaten Alive. He also shows up in another Toby. He so the uh, the only movies I've ever seen William Finley in are movies by Brian De Palma or Toby Hooper. Yeah, points people because he shows up later on in Toby Hooper's Fun House, in the movie The Fun House, in a small part. But he's great. I love him. He's just a great character actor. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessica Harper plays the love intro or the yeah. the I don't I've never I'm not as familiar with Phantom the, of the Opera. I guess, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the singer, this you know, the, the yeah. one that he's in love with that he's trying to protect. Yes. Jessica Harper um, will go on to be in Suspiria. Mm-hmm. Both Suspirias, actually. Yeah. Um, she also uh, shows up in a movie that called The Evictors, which was directed by the guy who did Legend of Boggy Creek. Uh-huh. I'm trying to point out all the connections from our previous episodes. There, yeah. yeah. Um, and she also does, and I'll get, I'll kind of dive into this a little bit more, but she does the sequel to Rocky Horror Picture Show in 1980 called Shock Treatment. Uh-huh. Um, so that's just going to happen. And then Garrett Graham plays Beef, yes. who plays this gla- very feminine glam rock star. Oh, yeah, I love it. And he's my favorite part of the movie just because he's so over the top. Um, Garrett Graham 
he's in uh, Z- uh, Zemeckis's Used Cars, but he's also in Terror Vision, which we which covered. Which we did, yeah. Um, he's in Child's Play Two. He's a great. He plays the voice of um, of Jay Sherman's dad in The Critic, which yeah. is a show that I watch often when I'm bored. Um, but so you have all these different people. Um, the if I'm, I'm almost I'm gonna you know I'm gonna go out and say I'm 100 percent sure about this. Jack Fisk is the production designer of this movie. Jack Fisk. Um, is married to Sissy Spacek. Oh, yeah, who was in... He, um, he's Carrie. best friends <laughs> with David... He was, like, childhood friends with David Lynch. He also acted and helped out with the movie Eraserhead. He would go on to win several Oscars, uh, one of which was for There Will Be Blood. Yeah. He worked with De Palma and Fame of the Paradise. Mm-hmm. I think Sissy Spacek actually worked on the film, like, helping out. Yeah. But, um... Because the movie definitely has a really cool look to it. Like, there's this great yeah. scene where Winslow Leach is going to the the... The built, you know, the Swan Records record label yeah. building, and it's like this weird, like tiny, like hallway that, yeah, like, this just... like rounded, a yeah, little bit. exactly. Yeah. It's like a really cool look. Um, and that was the other thing I was gonna point out too is again, like uh, De Palma kind of pulling from all these different sources. So there's this whole, um, you know, uh, takes place during the glam rock scene. Yeah, so, um, right before Beef is about to be introduced on stage. Like, you know, for his big number and everything like that, um, there's uh, this band, the Juicy Fruits, are now dressed up. They, you know, they, they kind of, earlier on in the movie, they, they show up and they're, they're, they're kind yeah. of swans, they're kind of uh, swans, uh, it's like rocky, yeah. Yeah, like and they're, rock. yeah, and they're based off of, like, Sha Na Na, which I don't know. Yeah. Do you remember Sha Na Na? They were, like, the, I think they were kind of, like, if you took the monkeys and grease. Yeah. And you mix it together, you know, like. They were, like, a manufactured band, but, like, kind of a comedic thing. Yeah. Uh, they played at Woodstock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I think he actually wanted Shauna now to play the Juicy Fruits, but they, they didn't. But anyway, later on in the movie, now they've kind of... He's he's abandoned the Juicy Fruits with this amazing line. That he's introducing Gary Graham's character yeah. for the first time, and he says, The Juicy Fruits are a thing of the past. Um, gentlemen, I bring you the future. Beef. Yeah. And then you, you open the coffin, you see beef. Anyway, the Juicy Fruits later on in the movie are, are performing right before beef comes out. And they are all dressed like... Um, Beach Boys. After that. They're dressed oh. like characters from uh, yeah. the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Yeah. And then beef comes out and beef um, is kind of like a combination of like a Frankenstein's monster mixed with Iggy Pop. Yeah. Like his like mannerisms and everything. And that's one of the things I love about it is like when I'm watching this movie, I'm always going, oh, that's fucking Iggy Pop. Oh, that's David Bowie. Well, oh, yeah. That's- um, it is, it, yeah, it is performative, and then, of course, you know, the the band switched over to be, like, the undead. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, it's, I love it's, that. it's funny, and it is still very parallel to the music industry today. Yeah. Um, which is funny, you know, um, just little things, too, especially, like, with the changes in the band, and, like, the trends that happen, and, like, signing your life away, and what happens when you have too much fame. It's really funny. Right, and when you become, like, a, a singer, and you act, and you act in a, a film, and it gets nominated for Best Picture, and you get nominated. <laughs> um, but, um, the other thing I like about the, what De Palma does in this, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't always work, like, yeah. but it always, it, in a weird way, it does work, like, all the time. Is him, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Is De Palma's trying all these different things, like split screen. So there's like a few movies in the mo- in the Which, scenes of the movie yeah. where you got a split screen go- action going on. You're seeing, you know, uh, Winslow Leach. He's running around the paradise, you know, getting ready to kill somebody, and you see Swan's perspective. Yeah. And you're getting the scene at the same time. That wasn't 
happening often in 1974. Yeah. You know? Uh, the only problem, and, and so he's experimenting all these different, like, you know, styles of, of, of show, telling a story. Um, a lot of characters are addressing the camera directly, which, again, not something you see in 1974. Like, um, there's that scene before we see uh, Swan for the first time when his right-hand man is, like, just talking with him. In yeah. The, and he's looking right at the camera, which is, in film is generally considered a big no-no. Um but Paul was like, fuck it, let's just do it. Uh, there's a scene when, when Jessica Harper's auditioning and she's dancing and she's looking at the camera. Yeah. Like, not like, to, I mean, looking right at you. Um, but what I mean is that, like, there's moments where De Palma's like, so there's this great scene where you see, where, where Winslow is watching Swan, old footage of Swan selling his soul to the devil. Yeah. And the he's really, he's supposed to be, yeah, and he's watching it as if he's watching, like, a home movie, right? But in this home movie, there's multiple camera angles. Like, it goes, you see Swan talk, you know, talking yeah. to the camera, and then you see the, you know, it's like, you're going, you're, that's what I mean when I say it's, it's, you know, De Palma's like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if, like, he was watching this? Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it is really cool, but then the camera should stay on one shot, not uh-huh. moving around back and forth, because how does that, how do you do that um but i like it's like a weird meta you know yeah he's watching it but then we're we're moving into the scene and Uh, out of the scene and exactly and like i don't know like and part of me doesn't feel like that's intentional part of me feels like it probably isn't and that's what i love about it but at least he's doing it and um yeah and it's funny to me that this movie comes out in 1974 it's a bomb It, Mm -hmm. it does not do well um and obviously, De Palma is going to become. He does another movie called Obsession after this. Yeah. And then he does Carrie. Yep. But um, but this movie, like this rock, it's like a rock and roll uh, musical horror, and it does terrible. And then one year later, Rocky Horror Picture Show comes out and does the same exact box office. Yeah. Like it does terrible. And I think it's really interesting. To, I love Rocky Horror Picture Show, but I've never understood why this movie is not in the as consi- popular as popular as Rocky Horror because. Um, it's, they're very similar, you know? Yeah, they are similar. I think, um, well, I mean, it's hard to compare the two because you also have Tim Curry, you know, you have Meatloaf. Um, the songs are, uh, bigger and different, like, there's different musical acts. Um, I don't know, I, I do agree, I get why you're saying that. I mean, maybe maybe Rocky Horror is because Rocky Horror embraced a more, like, more not I want to say I don't like the, to use the word taboo but subject like yeah things that weren't as like you know like the you know gender fluidity of Rocky Horror yeah. which was not something that you really like Did touch or upon you know about, yeah whereas um, like De Palma is a very like as as awesome as De Palma is I mean he, there is things he about kind of just like touched on it you know yeah but he's also kind of like a he's a New York dude who like you know I mean there's a scene where like you know Swan is like you know with Winslow's dressed up. He has to sneak into this audition. Oh, yeah. He's dressed and, up as a woman, and, and and Swan's like, get this, you know, and he drops You know, a, yeah, uh, you know what's funny, too? And I, was, I forgot Bill and Ted does that, and I because I just watched it last night, and you forget. When they hug each other? How, yeah, they hug each other and, like, beg. And then even in this, too, yeah. and you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot, almost, because, you know, we're so used to living in our Right, community. whereas Rocky Horror more was more it, it was more it. like, yeah, like, oh, yeah, we are. Yeah. You know, instead of having it just played out as it was back then. Um, the weird thing is, is that Phantom of the Paradise became a big hit in Winnipeg. Really? I, I know that's really weird, but it became 
Rocky Horror in Winnipeg. Yeah. To the point where they've done many cast and crew reunions. What? Um, That's so cool. And it's funny because I watched footage of one and like Jessica Harper is going up to the stage and she's doing that weird chicken dance that, that dance? she does. Yeah. The, that like I said to you when the, we were watching yeah. it. Yeah. This is why her character goes to the German <laughs> dance school in Suspiria is because she needs to learn That's how to like dance. That's like a weird 70s thing though. It's like almost, it's not disco, but you know, it's like do the hustle, but it's not like the hustle. Yeah, it's, it's just like a weird yeah, it's like a weird funky chicken. And, yeah. <laughs> and the weird thing, the cool thing is, though, is that aside from Garrett Graham, everybody, everybody sings in their own, you know, like, yeah. William Finley, I mean, there's obviously a part where, like, when, when William, at, at one point in the movie, when William Finley is singing, when he's completely the Phantom, it's Paul Williams' voice. Like, yeah. Um, but, you know, Paul Williams is Paul Williams, but, like, Jessica Harper's got a really decent voice, you yeah. know? Um, and, and William Finley is just, it's hard to pay attention to a singing voice because he does have that weird, like, eye thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, where you're just like, he's a goofy-looking dude. Yeah. But he's also very, there's something I love about his performance in this that's so naive. Yeah. That believable, like, when he's... I know, and you kind of, you feel bad for him, even though he's, like, murdering all these people. Right, but, like, before that, when he goes to the audition process, and like, oh, if you're the singer, why aren't you in there? And he's like... Well, I don't know. They just never, and he's like, but he's so like, he's legitimately. He's, he's like, like, oh, he, he must have just, it. yeah, yeah, he must have just forgot. Or then they're like, hey, if you want to talk to him, you know, call him. And he's like, oh, I tried that, but they threw me out. And it's like, yeah, he's just so oblivious, but it's so sweet. And um, uh, you know, and the, and and they really they have a very limited amount of time to really build the relationship between him and Jessica Harper. Yeah, and sometimes I feel like it's not as everything's. But that's yeah, not between them. But yeah. I feel like he. He obviously had this, like, obsession. Yeah. You know? Um, but, yeah, of course, Jessica Harper's like, no, I don't... Who? Yeah, exactly. I'm famous now. Right. Exactly. And, and I, I, I do... I really love that little, like, you know, oh, the, the music the, the music industry is so, like, you know, the, you know how, how quickly people turn on each other and how, you know, this <laughs> backstabbing and, and... But also you know, how your own vision can make you insane. Yeah, and in the next scene we see Jessica Harper's, like, blowing lines of coke, it, moving, yeah. into the clim- <laughs> moving into the climax of the film. You're like, man, she's changed in 24 hours. But, again, like, what's what I love about De Palma... When I do like De Palma films is the same reason why I like Argento films, where... Fuck logic. Let's just yeah. just tell the story, and you're either with it or you're against it. You know, and mm-hmm. um, Phantom of the Paradise is definitely the the, uh, the that in a nutshell. And and what I like about this movie too is is, uh, and I said this to you before we were recording that like there's so many people who have like been influenced by this. Like Guillermo del Toro, oh yeah, uh, loves this film absolutely. And he had hired Paul Williams to do the music for um, when 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 they were producing a. I don't. I've never. I didn't hear anything about this, but like a a stage version of Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Uh, he asked Paul Williams to do the music. That's awesome. It is awesome. Uh, Daft Punk. Oh yeah. You those t- two guys. They, those two guys met because me they had seen. They had gone to like I think thirty some odd screenings of Pan of Paradise individually, and, and they, they had just, just kept seen seeing each other, other yeah. and then they became friends. And it's funny because when you watch, when you watch their early st- like music videos and their, their you know all that stuff you. You can see is you a, get it, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a fan of the paradise element, and again, I'm not. I'm just surprised that this movie's not. Maybe now with the internet, I'm like, oh, maybe. I think it is though. Like it's been showing. I mean, at least in our recent years, they've showed it at the festivals. It's it's been yeah. shown at Beyond Fest. It's been shown, you know, at, at in different circuits. Well, it's funny because I uh, the night that we went and saw Suspiria, the yeah. the the, the uh, remastered, the new one, the yeah. New cut, oh, the 4K, the 4K, yeah. yeah, the the Argento one, and um. When I when I was going to get tickets 
before I met up with you and Heather, they were showing Phantom of the Paradise yeah. at the Egyptian, and Paul Williams was there. And I was like, ah, oh, I bummed out, because we were recording that day, which is why yeah. I missed it. But when I was, going, after I got my ticket for Suspiria, I was walking around the corner, and I was on that, like, side street from the Egyptian, yeah. and Paul Williams was just leaving. <gasps> and, like, the funny thing is that, like, people are flooding the fence. Oh. To try to, and he... I mean, I'm like, I'm like, fuck, Damn, I'm taller wild. than Paul Williams. Like, yeah. I'm, a, I'm not, a, I mean. He's a little guy. He's a very little guy. I'm not a very big guy, but he's a very little guy. And I was just like, oh, he's, what a cute little man. And I, I love Paul Williams. I think he's just like, I love <laughs> the fact that he did this movie. He also wrote for the Carpenters. You know, he yeah, plays such yeah. a great villain, like a really slimy, like, uh, just gr- like, awful guy. And then he's writing like, you know, we've only just begun. Or, yeah. Um, or again, like going back to the Muppets, the Rainbow Connection. Yeah, the Muppets. He, he also wrote. There was this funny thing about Paul Williams, and I'm sure I've got some friends back in Boston who will remember this. I don't know why, because I think they were talking about it around Christmas time. But a few years ago, I got this um, this mixed this video compilation of like all these different um, Christmas things. Yeah. And it, it came from a guy who did something very similar for Halloween, um, but the Christmas one had like the. The Muppets you know, Christmas special. It had the Chipmunks Christmas special, but it also had this thing called Emmett Otter. Oh yeah. Okay. I and never, the Junkyard Band. Yes, I had yeah. never heard of Emmett. What Otter. really? The I Puppets never, and the yeah. Little Beavers. Yeah, I never heard of it. It, it I oh, never Otters, seen it before. Yeah. And then yeah, and it was a '70s uh, production that was on HBO right when HBO was first starting. Paul Williams did all the music for that. Mm-hmm. So again, like oh shit, Paul Williams did the music for that. Yeah. So wow. All of these like he's such a. Uh, a lovable, he writes these lovable things, and I mean, he yeah. had a very, I mean, he was an alcoholic, and I think he was an addict at one point, but like, you know, he's, he's yeah. obviously cleaned up and everything, but what an interesting juxtaposition of like, his, the villainy plays, and, yeah. and the, the content that he writes, and um, and he wrote all the music for Fan of Paradise, this is one of my favorite soundtracks. Um, you know what he also did, is he also did, okay, since I've talked about Ghost Ship before, underrated 2000 film. It's very 2000s, but Paul, um, Paul Williams also did um, a song for, like, one of, like, the weird sketches in Ghost Ship. Really? Um, yeah, it's the Love Boat song, and he did it, and I was so excited in, in Ghost Ship. And, oh, wow. Yeah, I was so excited that he did it, because, huh. you know, he's attached to so many things. Here's an interesting story about Phantom of the Paradise, was, um... It was the night of, and I, I'm so embarrassed to admit this, but it's true. <laughs> what uh, is it? It was the night of George W. Bush uh, running against, it was the, the election between him and John Kerry. Oh, yeah? Uh, the one where like everybody's like, uh, you know, there's no way that people want another four years George Bush, and then he, you know, yeah. wins. I did not vote that night. Because I opted to stay inside and watch Phantom of the Paradise. Because it was on TV. And this is before, you know, like, companies like Scream Factory were releasing yeah. it. This was before I had a copy of it on video. Um, I was like, I had seen it once or twice in my life. And I, I liked you it. Really like, wanted I really to, wanted to yeah. watch it. And um, so <laughs> I didn't vote. I didn't do my civic duty. And instead I watched uh, Phantom of the Paradise because I thought that, that would be a much better investment I mean, time. not to say it isn't. I know, but I'm still embarrassed because I'm always like, I, I always yell at people when they're like, I'm not going to fucking vote. It's like, motherfucker, you better have a good reason not to vote, like watching Phantom of the Paradise. But even now, I'd be like, fuck you, you can watch Phantom of the Paradise. You can, I'm sure you can find it on streaming somewhere or you can, <laughs> you can watch it. But back I don't then, know, considering our, our election um, choices upcoming, it might just be impossible. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm not saying don't vote, I'm just saying. I know. We, we live in some some hard times. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but anyway, Family Paradise, it's, like I said, with the Palm, I've said this a million times, I'm not in love with everything he does. No. But when I do love his stuff, I love his yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, and Family yeah. Paradise is one of them, where he's just like, uh, it's same with opera, but it's also this, it's also this, it's also this. Yeah. It's like, dude, there's like 30 different movies you've just, or stories you've just <laughs> taken from and just... Mash, yeah, yeah, and I love it. Um, I really love this movie and this. Uh, again, again, the vinyl soundtrack is one of my prized possessions. Yeah, I thought we were working at Flavors. Yeah, and, and, and me you... and Mike Gutierrez went on a lunch break. We went to a record store, and there was, and I was like, "Yes, please. I don't care if it's thirty dollars or whatever <laughs> it was. I'm, I'm going to have this because I love this fucking movie." And um, yeah, I mean that's that's my that's my cleaning up the dishes music. I put on that, that yeah. vinyl, and I get to work on. Uh, because it is good. It's, it's really great. Good. It's it's a lot of fun and um it again, it's also one of those like great, you know, time capsules of the seventies. You know, like yeah. again, that whole nostalgia revival. Um and then you've got the whole glam period, and you've got like the really like the what am I trying to say? Like it, it's I I guess it's rock and roll, but it's like it's very like that. That Jim Steinem, yeah. the guy who did like all the Meatloaf songs, like that, that very yeah, theatrical, that, yeah, like opera rock, yeah, opera, yes, yes, yeah, exactly. And there's there, there's a little bit of that in there, and it's just a great soundtrack. And and I really, I'm a big, I've been wanting to talk about this movie for a long time, and I, uh, I I'm glad we finally did it because it's such a, it's such a great movie that also ties into so many things that we've talked about. Still, and done. yeah. yeah. Um, Definitely a movie that deserves way more love than I think. I and mean, again, I know that it's getting love. You like you, I agree with you. Like in the it's starting to. Years, I feel like yeah. But I mean, this movie should be on the same level. I mean, Midnight Screenings of Rocky or Picture Show, awesome. The next night, Midnight Screenings of Phantom of the Paradise. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> share share the wealth. People dressing up as characters from this would be fucking amazing. Like that's one of my all time. Like I am going to dress up as as. Winslow Leach in for Halloween one year with the whole like the yeah, the owl the mask helmet. yeah um love this movie and and it's great you know because I was watching again just sitting here watching it and seeing Jessica Harper and being like it's pretty cool that I just saw her in a movie like two months ago yeah it's interesting I think she's underrated I think uh, she's uh I, think I she's, don't know if she's underrated I feel like she's like okay she's underrated I don't think she why. I think she's got. I, I think she does pretty. I think she actually. She was like my one of my favorite parts of the new Suspiria. Really? Yeah, I, I actually. Felt like, uh, I know you didn't care for that without that uh, no. whole storyline. I, I know, and I, I disagree. <laughs> where I felt like that storyline was like the one thing. I was or at like, least they could have just not had her in it. I don't mm. know. I just felt like it didn't add anything for me. It didn't feel like a just throwing her in for the sake of throwing her in. That's like, what I felt like. Uh, I was like, I oh, okay, he. I get it. I see you. Luca. I disagree. I like and, you anyway. And the fact that she can make. The di- like the really crappy dialogue in the original Suspiria work. I love the original Suspiria. We know, yeah. But the dialogue is again it was written Not, a lot of yeah. it was written for fourteen year olds, you know, and like yeah. and then they just <laughs> But like she still sells it. That's all I'm gonna yeah. say. She still sells yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Hey. I don't know. I mean it's not like she's like great in this either. She's great enough. <laughs> I mean, sing. yeah, that's what I'm saying. She's enough. She can sing. Un- not underrated? I don't think so. She can sing? She can sing. She she can't dance. And, but we have to believe there's something about her that makes, you know, Winslow Leach want to protect her and save her. Obsessive and like, personality disorder. Okay, here's the thing. Is again, <laughs> we're going to go, we're, just before we end this episode, I, I'm just going to say, like, he's not. So he kills a few people in this movie. These are terrible people. 
I was gonna say you. I knew you were gonna. There is not the only person. I knew there's it. one person he get that gets killed in this movie that I'm like maybe that person didn't deserve to get. Is beef. No beefs. You don't think he deserved to get it? I I was gonna say is the the. the Right after Beef gets killed, and right before they get Phoenix come out on stage and sing, yeah, there's a guy. There's a guy operating the spotlight, and the fan like chokes him out, uh-huh. and then takes over the spotlight. I'm like, that poor guy was probably <laughs> just like that he, guy. You feel bad. He was for. probably like you know, like the you know, he's probably like fuck, man. This is gonna be it. Like I'm gonna do a really good job in the lighting tonight, and and this is gonna be my step up in this in this career that I've I've chosen. And he gets choked out. Uh, Beef. I mean. Look. You he, think he deserved to die? No. He tried to escape, remember? And then he get, but he and and he gets forced back into. Yeah. Nah. What do you mean, nah? He had to. But that's one of my favorite lines too. Where yeah. Like a, um, I know real, real from I know drug real from real, real. Yeah. I love that line. <laughs> I actually love Garrett Graham throughout this entire. Yeah, movie. I like, do too. He is so fantastic. Um. Oh, and that was the other thing. Real quickly, I, I, cause I, I know I'm gonna regret if I don't bring this up, but another really cool thing that De Palma does in this movie is yeah. that awesome scene where Paul Williams is talking to Philip and he's sitting in that circular table. Yeah. And so how he needs to hire a new act. And, and he goes see, boom, boom. And you, yeah. yeah, you see like rotating like a your, dial. Yeah. Yeah, like of the different, like you know, the spotlight goes on to like you know one section, and it's like these these artists. The different like, genres. The different genres, yeah. yeah. And I think I'm like, what a fucking cool camera, like visual effect, yeah. you know. Storytelling method that I really just I really dig, but um, unfortunately, Gary Graham doesn't sing his own music in the movie. Yeah. It's some other guy, which is probably oh, yeah, he why he deserved to get it because he's oh. not, he can't even fucking sing his own. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I I don't think the fan is is the bad guy. I think it's very much a, of course. Mm. I mean, he's a product of what happened, but he also is, like, obsessive. He meets a girl once and then becomes obsessed with her. Like, they have a relationship. Like, she owes him something, even though he's killing he's people. Trying to, he's trying to protect her. But then, no! Nah! <laughs> this is, all right. Oh, have my you God. Watched, Don't have, be railing against the patriarchy right ha, now. Have you watched you yet? I've, Kate's Listen, been watching it's it. Like, I've, been, I've been here overhearing it, it, and I'm just like. It is, like, a an updated, like. Uh, who who said it? It's like the OC of like the OC and Dexter mashed together, which I I do think so. Um, but I really liked it. It's, it's, but it is it's garbage. I know I can hear it. It's garbage, but I can also see why it's fun. But it's like yeah, yeah. it's like garbage, but it's still like fucked up because this is like the time period we live in where like this shit just happens. But no, Kate's watching and I can overhear it in the background. And I'm like, and part of me is like, oh my god, is she gonna like. Is she gonna break up with Joe? Like, is that really gonna happen? Like, oh man, her best friend yeah. Peach is a real. It bitch. is. It is like that. It is. Yeah. And then, but also, he's like killing people. So yeah. you're like, it's still scary and like creepy and like you know. But I feel like you would watch it and you'd be like, ah, uh, you know what? He's kind of a good guy. No, I, I, I don't. I'm not. I, 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 my empathy only goes so far. But, <laughs> um, I just, I, I, I do. I have a, I have a thing for the, the, the tragic. I, I, you do, and we'll go into this later on. When we do another De Palma film, but like I do empathize with the, the you know, like I empathize with the the character, the lead character in Body Double by De Palma, who is essentially. A I of course you do. Essentially, you he's kind of like he's a voyeuristic pervert, and I'm like I totally get that character. Like I am, yeah. I love that character. He doesn't kill anybody, so we're good. He actually is like the hero of the movie, but at the same time, like what he does is fucking questionable. Like spying on a chick through a telescope, and I'm like, I feel like, had I had a telescope, you know, prior to, to my relationship that I'm in now, I would be just prior to the relationship you're in now. 
Not like saying, when I was a I kid. Get, I get that voyeurism, like that 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 weird like appeal. Yeah, but the internet has made it okay now. Yes. Called webcams. What a great way to, to, end, to this end this episode is by check out webcams. So we start off by railing on the Oscars, and we end with railing on the internet. Yeah. Um, Woo. So yeah, check out Phantom of the Paradise. It's one of De Palma's best. I guarantee that. Yeah, uh, one of his best. I do. I do think it is one of his best. Hands down. I. I and I know I said this when we were um, when we did the trick or treat episode, and I was arguing about like the the dismissiveness about horror films. Yeah, I I I, I totally understand that you know because I'm thinking of like what else came out that year, like The Godfather Two, Chinatown, yeah, The Conversation, all these movies, which hands down are better movies. Yeah, but if someone's like, hey, we're gonna watch the you know we're gonna watch The Conversation or we're gonna watch Phantom of the Paradise, which one are you gonna pick? I'm gonna pick Phantom of the Paradise because I know I'm gonna have the most fun. So. Boom. <laughs> Enough said. Boom to myself. Yeah. Mic drop. Boom. There goes dynamite. Yeah. Uh, well, good night, guys. Good night. <laughs> Bye. 20th Century Fox presents Phantom of the Paradise, a gothic horror story. What was that? A beautiful love story. A cinematic odyssey through the rock universe. From Greece to glitter and beyond. The story of a sound, the man who created it, the girl who sang it, the monster who stole it. And the phantom who haunts the paradise, the ultimate rock palace. Phantom of the Paradise. My music is for Phoenix. Only she can sing it. Anyone else that tries, dies. Phoenix. Phoenix. Well, you told me one time that you'd be somebody, that you weren't working just to survive. Man, you better get yourself a castrato for this. Paul Williams as Swan. And the angels that them. I want you to stop terrorizing the paradise and rewrite your cantata. And the Phantom. The paradise. There really is a phantom, phantom, phantom.